Khuni, The Crimes of India is a thoroughly researched podcast that uses publicly available documents, reports and books and associated media to provide listeners with a complete picture of the week's case. The following content is often graphic and regularly uncomfortable. Mentions of assault, bodily harm and death may follow. Khuni, The Crimes of India does not condone any actions mentioned in the episode. Minors are advised to exercise caution before proceeding. Thank you. Picture this. A woman is found dead. A journalist is intrigued. The journalist puts a crew together, decides to go to a house to look into it. He's not a novice. He's smart and capable. He understands the business. He works for one of the largest news channels in the country at the time. He finds the dead woman's parents in their home and he can see that they're tired and scared. They've lost their daughter, but they're still fighting for justice. His camera crew is with him, filming parts of the whole encounter. The parents bring out some tea for everybody. For the journalist, it's a regular day. And then, just as he's about to ask the woman's father a question, his face freezes. He starts struggling for air and his hand starts trembling and he collapses. His colleagues rush him to the hospital and just like that, he's dead. Namaskaram. Welcome to another episode of Khuni, the Crimes of India podcast. As you all know by now, I am Sneha and I am in Hyderabad and joining me online is Aditi who is in Lucknow. We had quite the week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did. Our Instagram was buzzing all throughout the week. We hit 85 in Spotify podcast in India list and literally the second true crime podcast in that list. Yay! So, thank you so much, guys. I mean, this means a lot to us. We both have regular jobs and although it's all currently work from home now and everything, we still literally only get time to research at odd hours of the night. And we love all the love we've been getting this week. And obviously, right from the beginning of the podcast gives us that much needed encouragement to work harder. And Honestly, I still can't believe that our little homemade and very proudly unprofessional podcast is getting <laughs> so much traction. Really, yeah. like we record with the most value for money equipment. Okay, like my mic is five years old, and I bought <laughs> Aditi's mic with my credit card point, so you can understand what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, 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 and there is a lot of trial and error. Okay, like nothing is fixed until it's fixed. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Today's story deals with a problem that is rampant in India. Corruption in general, but specifically corruption regarding government recruitment. We are covering this today because what began as a garden variety corruption scandal quickly devolved into a very coony clusterfuck. Yeah. So, before we begin... We have to point out that this case involves like a lot of names. So at first we tried to keep the names to the bare minimum. But then we realized that in the interest of the story and to do complete justice to the victims, their names must be known and remembered. And this requires a bit of active listening. So just keep your ears tuned. Okay, so with that out of the way, this is the story of the Vyapam scam murders. Our story begins on 7th January 2012 with the discovery of a woman's lifeless body near the train tracks about 18-20 kilometers away from the city of Ujjain in Madhya Pradesh. Madhya Pradesh is a state in India located bang in the middle of the country. The woman seemed very young, probably in her 20s, 
She was wearing a red kurta and a purple-colored puma jacket. Her lifeless body was taken to a hospital in Ujjain to conduct her post-mortem exam. Soon, she was identified as Namrata Damor, a medical student in her 20s. After investigating the matter, the police declared that on the basis of the forensic report, Namrata had jumped from the train and committed suicide, allegedly over a failed relationship. As soon as this information was made public, her father, who had identified her body, cried foul. It didn't make any sense. She was a young girl in her early 20s. She was a medical student in the city of Indore in Madhya Pradesh. Even if she had to commit suicide, she would have done it in Indore, right? Where she had been staying. Why would she get on a train to a gen and God knows where else and go to a completely different city and a city where she had no reason to be in? There was no suicide note either. Look, okay, I kind of get where the father is coming from in this case and his whole point about the train thing is quite reasonable. Okay, fine. But then we know that there are no hard and fast rules to suicide, right? I mean, many people who are suicidal seem perfectly fine on the outside, but don't leave any notes. And maybe she had a reason to be on the train, but her dad didn't know about it. And Namrata was in college. You remember what that was like? right we went on so yeah. many trips without people not telling their parents of course remember you and the <laughs> subsequent <laughs> subsequent shit our friend got into i remember these of things course. yeah so okay no father would be objective about their daughter's death that too in such a violent manner but turns out in this case namrata's father had cause to be suspicious Okay, so I said earlier that the police report was based on a forensic report. This report was made by a panel of doctors at the Medico Legal Institute in Bhopal. And when I was reading it, I thought it was the autopsy report because the doctors were involved. But in fact, the doctors who prepared the report never even saw Namrata's body. They decided it was a suicide based on photographs of her dead body and after visiting the area where her body was found and that too months after her death, not even immediately. What kind of doctors are these people? Anyway, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, this is just a little preview and welcome to the many-layered dung pile this case is. Truly, absolutely. This was the oddest thing about this whole situation until I found out that this so-called forensic report was not even the first medical legal report in this pathetic excuse for an investigation. The first report was prepared by a panel of three doctors at a hospital in Ujjain immediately after the body was discovered. This panel noted several anti-mortem injuries. Anti-mortem injuries are those that happened before a person's death. Mainly these were nail marks on her cheeks, nose, lips and chin suggesting that she was either smothered or strangled. Her nasal bone was broken and there were contusions on her gums. Basically, someone had clamped down on her mouth with a lot of force and gripped her throat. There was dried blood in her nose. Her tongue was clenched between her upper and lower jaw and a couple of her teeth were missing. This autopsy report concluded that the cause of death seemed to be violent asphyxia. There were bruises all over her body indicating that she had been dragged along the tracks after her death. So these were post-mortem injuries. It's very clear to the doctors who conducted the autopsy, you know, with the real actual dead body, that this was a case of homicide. I like how you said real actual dead body. <laughs> yeah. What kind of a forensic report is made only on the basis of uh, crime scene photos? I've, I've never heard of that anywhere else ever. This is Madhya Pradesh police revolutionizing <laughs> crime scene investigation. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, imagine the utter shock of these doctors, okay, when days later, the police in their disclosure report completely trashed the autopsy and said that they believed that the girl had instead committed suicide. The doctors who had actually seen and examined Namrata's body were not even consulted by the second panel of doctors at the Medical Legal Institute in Bhopal. 
they i mean this panel had not even looked at her body once the police fi filed their extremely questionable closure report in the case the matter ended then and there and by the way the case was simply brushed under the carpet so at the time this occurred there was no interest in the suspicious death of a young girl the case would remain in cold storage for another 3 years till a tenacious journalist caught wind of the whole affair the journalist gave national limelight to namrata's death but not in the manner you are thinking of so now let's skip ahead to about 3 years later 4th of july 2015 to be precise a 38 year old journalist akshay singh was sitting with namrata's father in their drawing room akshay was an investigative journalist with the news channel aaj tak which was a major hindi language media outlet in india he had been working on a story since 2013 and he felt namrata's death might be connected in some way now in the living room of the damor home namrata's father akshay and a couple of akshay's colleagues who had accompanied him were poring over reams of documents connected to this case you know all the court orders police reports medical reports various petitions etc akshay's colleague rahul described what happened next chai was served to all the guests akshay had his cup close to his lips when he stopped as if to ask something but then he immediately collapsed in his chair his hand was trembling he was gasping for air even before he could be taken to the hospital everyone knew that he was no more now the preliminary examination revealed that the cause of death was a heart attack okay so unlike in namrata's death there are no conflicting medical reports there were no injuries on akshay plus his co-worker was with him the whole time and swears that no one could have poisoned their food but the coincidences in this case are staggering akshay was a healthy 38 year old man he was not known to have any health issues and what are the chances that a journalist who goes to investigate the mysterious death of a woman and ends up dead in her house while looking into her death yeah and unlike namrata's death akshay's death was high profile the news channel he worked for was the number one hindi language news outlet in the country it immediately grabbed national eyeballs and how okay his funeral was attended by high ranking dignitaries rahul gandhi the leader of india's main opposition party the indian national congress arvind kejriwal the chief minister of delhi and several office bearers of the bjp which by now you all know forms the government in india so why why would such important people attend a journalist's funeral i mean he was good at his job but akshay always maintained a low profile on purpose also was there a connection with namrata's death turns out yeah a lot in common so we mentioned earlier that akshay was at namrata's house because he had been investigating a story because he felt her death was connected in some way this was one bombshell of a story now akshay was looking into the vyapam scam aditi you want to finally explain what vyapam means at this point right so vyapam is the professional examination board for the state of madhya pradesh vyapam is a hindi acronym for vyavsayik pariksha mandal which translated into english basically means the professional examination board it was established in 1982 and we'll give a link to their website in our show notes but this is a small description the professional examination board is a self financed autonomous incorporated body of madhya pradesh state government so vyapam basically conducts com- competitive tests for entrance to various professional courses every year on a very large scale and it also has the responsibility of conducting recruitment examinations for different state level posts so in simple terms it conducts examinations for various professional colleges in madhya pradesh and also recruitment exams for some selected government jobs yeah pretty much so the separate autonomous 
agencies are set up by both state and central governments in India to handle all kinds of government exams. Government jobs in India are extremely lucrative given the job security and steady income. Plus, India has a massive population and most of it being in the employable age. There is a lot of competition. We kid you not. For those who don't know, Indian competitive exams, both entry into government colleges and jobs are cutthroat as hell. I mean, dude, people study for years and become total nerds, lose all connection with reality when they study for these exams. I'm not, I'm not, I'm being totally serious at this point. (laughs) So creating a separate agency solely to conduct exams is meant to ensure transparency and efficiency and well i won't comment about anywhere else but that didn't really happen with vyapam reports of minor irregularities had been coming out of madhya pradesh since the 90s people would hear about a bunch of candidates cheating make some arrests and that was that at that time nobody was really thinking that this was a major issue at least one that needed national attention but That changed in 2008 when Madhya Pradesh Local Fund Audit Office for 2007-2008 found alleged financial and administrative irregularities including unauthorized disposal of application forms worth crores of rupees at Vyapam. This was mostly regarding the pre-medical test which is a combined entrance test for all the government medical colleges in the state. Slowly, little by little, the details of scams started trickling out. In 2009, Dr. Anand Rai, an ophthalmologist in Madhya Pradesh, filed a public interest litigation with the Madhya Pradesh High Court. December of the same year, the Chief Minister of Madhya Pradesh created a panel to probe the scam. The report of the probe came out two years later in 2011. This probe revealed that many medical students had gained admission into the state's medical colleges by fraud. Also, unlike what people had been thinking so far, these weren't stray incidents of cheating in tests. This was an organized racket that had been going on for five years. Rich students paid anywhere between 10 to 20 lakh rupees to have someone take these tests on their behalf. More than 100 students were rusticated from their colleges. So besides impersonation, there were also a lot of other scams going on. They showed that it wasn't just an external cheating mafia that was involved, but insiders in Vyapam as well. Now, brilliant people would be paid anywhere between 25,000 to 50,000 rupees just to take the exam on behalf of actual candidates who did not have a very high chance of clearing the exam. And... Uh, the actual candidate would pay a Vyabam employee to make sure that they were sitting beside this fake candidate so they could cheat off of them. Oh my god, such an intricate planned scam. Yep. In other cases, candidates would leave their OMR sheets blank and pay Vyabam insiders to fill them with correct answers. Fun fact, this is what happens in All India Bar Exam. This is open book. (laughs) So when I was reading about uh, this uh, OMR sheet scam, I found out that uh, this one politician, his daughter was supposed to take the exam and she did not follow the instructions to cheat properly. Basically, all the students who were suppo- who had paid to who had paid for the seats, right? They would leave. Yeah. They would only mark the questions that they were sure of and leave out the questions that they were not sure of blank, right? So these OMR sheets would be filled in by Vyapam employees later. But what she did was she marked all like the incorrect, correct answers, everything. So basically, <laughs> some Vyapam employee had to take a whitener, write out all the wrong answers <laughs> and then fill them in again <laughs> later for this girl who could not even cheat properly. It's Bro, just insane. It takes a lot of brains to cheat. <laughs> yeah. Stupid people can't cheat. No. All she had to do was leave the incorrect answers blank and that also she messed up. Anyway, as these details started coming out, the government was caught red-faced. The Chief Minister of Madhya Pradesh then set up a special task force or STF in 2012. In July 2013, finally, the police caught a big break in the investigation when they arrested about 20 people who were involved in the racket. 
Now, these were all low-level scammers, but their information led to the arrest of a man named Jagdish Sagar, who was one of the kingpins of the entire operation. Jagdish Sagar started talking while in custody. A list of more than 300 students was found on him. The admission of all these students had to be cancelled. Finally, in December 2013, the former higher education minister for Madhya Pradesh was arrested for his involvement in the scam. So you by now have some idea about the scale of the scam that was unfolding. And the investigation into the scam was riddled with irregularities. It was clear that both bureaucrats and politicians were working in overdrive to stall or derail the investigation. For example, when the list of about 300 plus students was discovered from Jagdish Sagar, the exam controller of Vyapam, Pankaj Tripathi, tried to stop the admission of these students from getting cancelled. He kept pushing pressure on the colleges to simply take an undertaking from the students from now that they'd gotten their seats legally and if the investigation revealed otherwise, <laughs> then their admission would be formally cancelled. Basically, he was trying to save these students. Now, Tripathi may have been hoping that by the time the investigation uh, would be over, these kids would have already graduated. He must have realized that there were powerful people involved who would do their best to stall the probe. He wasn't wrong, but it didn't work. The public pressure was too much by now. Tripathi would become the 14th person against whom a charge sheet would be filed in this case. People were demanding that the High Court transfer the case to the Central Bureau of Investigation so that it could be investigated independently by a federal agency free of state control. But this request was denied. But the High Court was still concerned enough to set up a special investigation team or an SIT to oversee and supervise the Special Task Force or STF on its behalf. (laughs) (laughs) What? Are you telling me that the situation was so bad that not only did the state government have to create a a special team to investigate this, but the high court had to create another special team to make sure that the first special team did not fuck up? Oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Lots of special teams involved in this case. (laughs) So basically, this is a special teamception. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) like a team to look over a team to look over a team and like and always as always in India after a few days no one will even remember why the special team was formed or why they're in the special team or why they are special like (laughs) this is all mindfuck central guys (laughs) it totally is and then uh, people also found out that the scam wasn't just limited to medical college entrance tests but other professional courses and jobs in Madhya Pradesh government as well. In terms of monetary value alone, the scam runs into crores. So we mentioned that as the scam was unraveling and as more and more students were being discovered, uh, their admissions were getting cancelled. In 2014, about 27 medical students were asked to quit over fraudulent exam admissions way back in 2012. And this is where we circle back to Namrata, whose death we opened the episode with. So it turns out Namrata had been one of these students who had paid a lot of money to Jagdish Sagar to get admission in a medical college in Indore. Days before her death, she had been questioned about how she got admission. Her death is widely believed to have been the first casualty of the scam. And the investigation into her death is also mind-boggling. First of all, as we've mentioned before, The police themselves botched up the investigation and buried the case. Then in 2015, Akshay Singh, the journalist, died in her house, which reopened interest in her case and it was submitted to CBI. Now, even after the case was given to the CBI, problems continued with the investigation. CBI first submitted their report on her death to the High Court in 2017, which was immediately trashed because it had glaring loopholes. <laughs> and then then the report, this report had concluded that her death had been a suicide. So then CBI prepared another report. This time, they were far more meticulous. They tracked down all the passengers on the train from her bogey, including her co-passengers. They did all these calculations about the speed of the train and what injuries would be expected if a person jumped at such speed. 
then they gathered all mobile phone records and after all this hard work all this time the cbi concluded that her death was drum roll please <laughs> a suicide again yeah they ruled that this was a suicide once again they even went ballistic on the doctors who had performed the first the original autopsy you know these are the doctors who had actually seen the dead body yeah they said that these doctors had not conducted the autopsy in a professional manner this by the way opposed to the other panel of doctors who had conducted who had given their report merely on the basis of some photographs they went by the report of this second panel of doctors Anyway, the CBI filed a closure report on Namrata's death on 23rd February 2020. The more you look into Namrata's death, the more baffling it gets. First of all, it is incredibly bizarre for the police and CBI as well to rely on a forensic report that was made without even looking at the dead body to conclude that she killed herself. So Dr. Purohit was the lead doctor on the first autopsy, the one who said that this was homicide. He repeatedly said that suicide was highly unlikely. Both the police and later the CBI claimed that Namrata flung herself off a moving train to kill herself. So do you remember where she was found? Yeah, about 18-20 kilometers from Ujjain, right? Right. But I read that one of her co-passengers was interviewed by the police and she said that Namrata had actually gotten off the train at Ujjain station itself. So if this claim is true, then she wasn't even on the train when she is supposed to have been killed. Also, the suicide theory doesn't explain how she got nail marks on her face and bruising on her lips, throat and dried blood in her nose. I mean, that shows that someone clearly had clamped down on her face with a lot of force, right? Essentially trying to strangle her. Yeah, exactly. Also Dr Purohit said that there were no internal injuries consistent with a person throwing themselves from a moving train there were no fractures on her skull or ribs what she had were a lot of antemortem injuries suggesting violent asphyxia all her postmortem injuries were on her back and they suggested that she had been dragged along the train tracks plus another thing that the doctors noted were semen stains on her clothes Now the police uh, did examine the DNA and it matched with a man called Vishal Verma. Vishal was another student who studied with Namrata at the same medical college and he too had been accused of getting his seat by fraud in the same scandal. The police found that right before her death Namrata had in fact called Vishal multiple times from her phone and he had in fact been traveling with her the same night. So here is a man linked to the Vyapam scam with his dna on her body and he had been with her on the night of the murder and all the police did was call him for questioning and let him go saying that he was not their suspect at all look of course they did the police in india will say that that semen fell on her because the train was shaking and she was standing near him <laughs> <laughs> and that's not all Anand Rai was one of the whistleblowers of the Vyapam scam and he alleged that Jagdish Sagar, you know, one of the kingpins who was arrested earlier, had in fact been sexually exploiting Namrata. Namrata was in rich and probably did not have the money to pay for the seat she had gotten. So Jagdish had been asking her for sexual favors. And according to Rai, this is something he did routinely with female candidates who couldn't pay. See this Jagdish character is something else okay like he also has a weakness for luxury gyms gold and diamond jewelry vintage wines and mercs i don't understand how a community medicine specialist from indore is able to afford all this stuff at the same time oh also apparently he told the police that he sleeps on a mattress stuffed with cash what is this fellow dude <laughs> some uh, pablo escobar or something what is happening yeah so forget all that baba in one of the articles i read his own family you know his father and brother are calling him a greedy land shark apparently he forced his family members to transfer land to him for even small sums of money like if his family members needed even a few thousand rupees urgently he would make them sign over their land for it as security and he would not give them back He did that to his own father and brother 
and extended family members and the community medicine tag is just a facade okay all this money comes from shady transactions and hustles vyapam wasn't his first or only hustle he opened a hospital in his native village he told everyone there that all they need to do is deposit 400 rupees as a one time payment and they they would get free treatment for the rest of the year and people did it you know it seemed reasonable and then after taking all their money he shut down the hospital and just ran and mind you this is a rural area most people are poor but he still had no moral compunctions fleecing them what really no moral compunctions really aditi wow <laughs> yeah i get your point moving on so jagdish is suspected in namrata's murder which begs the question what did she know and more importantly who was she going to tell we know that she had been questioned about her role in the scam so maybe she was going to talk to the police if she was close to jagdish it is possible that she could have implicated him as well there were so many reasons none of which were ever properly investigated by the police ever this is so bizarre i mean even if the police suspect suicide like aren't you supposed to at least investigate the abetment angle yeah absolutely so in india abetment of suicide is a separate crime in itself for the past couple of years suicide has been decriminalized but at the time of namrata's death i think it was still a crime but either way in most cases of suicide the police will investigate if someone else had a role to play or not bare minimum they should have probed either jagdish's role or that other guy vishal's role in the suicide and i have to say that the cbi has no excuse for simply closing the case on her death they just went by the whole jilted lover theory eh where did this theory come from it was in the second forensic report why would a doctor writing a forensic report mention that she committed suicide over an affair i mean this is beyond me but here we are dude clearly the doctor paid for his seat <laughs> and he got it through the vyapam scam <laughs> you know we are laughing but actually it became a massive healthcare issue in uh, in madhya pradesh this there were so many doctors who had gotten uh, seats in medical colleges by fraud they all graduated they all became doctors some of them got government jobs as doctors in the madhya pradesh government who knows maybe that also by fraud so it's cre- it created a massive public health crisis in madhya pradesh i'm sure i'm i'm sure yeah so it just feels like the second forensic report said whatever certain people wanted it to say of all the vyapam deaths and there are about 46 suspected deaths associated with the scam this one haunts the most i mean i went into this rabbit hole for a few hours trying to see what different people said about her it was intense i mean yeah and to think that her death had been conveniently brushed under the carpet right see we couldn't have known about it had it not been for akshay singh dying 3 years later in her house while investigating her death yeah and the week that akshay died was a bloody one so the very next day a man called dr arun sharma was found dead in his hotel room in delhi the police discovered an almost empty bottle of alcohol and a strip of antidepressants in his room he had also vomited indicating that he had been drinking heavily the previous night this man was the dean of a medical college at jabalpur and had been compiling a list of students who had gained admission into the college by fraud prima facie the delhi police said that his death was not suspicious and was chalked up to alcoholism okay fine this is still fine but before we jump to that conclusion let's talk about another death only a year earlier in 2014 a man named dr dk sakale had been found dead this was another death chalked up to suicide dr sakale had been looking into students who had gotten admission by fraud he had told some of the students in fact to quit their courses and not just that Sakale was Dr Arun Sharma's predecessor and his close friend. The circumstances around his death were very mysterious as well. His body had been found burnt on the front lawn of his house. Yeah. 
and then the police said that he had committed suicide by immolating himself yeah take a moment to think about this okay imagine you're a doctor you have access to all kinds of drugs at your disposal if you're suicidal wouldn't it be easier to simply overdose and die a quick and painless death why burn yourself i mean what kind of a masochist masochist do you have to be to burn yourself and also if he had burnt himself on his front lawn wouldn't his neighbors have noticed a burning flailing man next to their house and done something about it plus the police never say anything about the surroundings look if he burned himself on his front lawn the surrounding grass trees shrubs blah 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 whatever else would be charred right so the police make no mention of this detail anywhere so here you go another suspicious death branded as suicide and the case was closed and there is no further information on the arun sharma death either last we heard he was being investigated by the special task force for vyapam as a related death but we don't know the outcome till date so here let's just recap so far in a week in july 2015 two people died akshay the journalist and arun sharma the dean of the medical college both with links to the vyapam scam and on 6th july immediately the next day after arun sharma's death another vyapam death was reported a young female police trainee who had been recruited via vyapam was found drowned in a pond near her training academy her death was also ruled a suicide Her father told the journalist that she had only took her life because she was being harassed for money by her husband. He said that her death could not be linked to Vyapam because she had not cheated on her test. We can take father at face value. We know the police did. But come on. Three Vyapam related deaths one after another on three consecutive days. At some point we have to stop looking at these deaths. as mere coincidences i mean we don't have to be a crazy tin foil wearing conspiracy nut job to make the connections here right right aditi yep <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just these people either the list of suspicious deaths was growing at an alarming pace a constable named sanjay singh yadav was supposed to testify in the high court on 9th july 2015 So immediately after these deaths that we talked about till now a constable named Sanjay Singh Yadav was supposed to testify in the high court on 9th July 2015 the special task force instead submitted a report to the high court saying that the wait for it constable had in fact passed away 2 months before yeah this also happened apparently he died from hepatitis b and it was unrelated to the scam itself but once again you have to marvel at the coincidence you can't have so many coincidences like that's not how life works this also calls into question the work of the special task force that they didn't inform the court about the death of a key witness till the day he was supposed to testify how does this even happen and just to remind you all so far there is not just a special task force but also a special investigation team overseeing the special task force on behalf of the high court remember task forceception clearly that's not working if this level of oversight is not enough to prevent such idiotic mistakes we don't know what is the pattern of multiple deaths in a rapid succession was repeated again and again during the investigation for example take another case take the case of narendra tomar and rajendra arya they were both accused in the vyapam scam narendra tomar had arranged for fake candidates to write the entrance exam in place of the actual ones tomar was already in jail he started complaining of chest pain at night he was taken to a hospital where he suffered two heart attacks and died his family claimed that he was a victim of foul play When he had walked out of the jail he seemed just fine. He had been healthy before this incident as well. 
at the time of his death he was barely 29 years old wow dude i'm 29 years old i will not drop dead immediately <laughs> look it just seems so strange that an otherwise healthy man suddenly suffered two successive heart attacks and just dead sorry it seemed very strange that an otherwise healthy man suddenly suffered two successive heart attacks and just died tomar became the 24th casualty linked to the scam the 25th casualty would happen within the next 24 hours rajendra arya had been on bail and had been traveling when his condition started deteriorating he had developed a cup sorry he had helped a couple of students to get seats in a medical exam also every time a new death happened linked to the scam journalists were able to dig and find out about an older death that the police had brushed under the carpet it happened with namrata it happened with dr sakale and now when two people died within 24 hours of each other another older death was uncovered this death occurred way back in february of 2015 a man named amit sagar was found drowned to death in a pond near the town of shiopur in madhya pradesh he was a vet stu- veterinary student who was also associated with the vyapam scam although we could not find whether as a witness or as an accused he quickly became the 26th casualty associated with the scam vijay singh was another accused linked to the scam he was working as a pharmacist at a district jail in madhya pradesh singh had been under suspension after the special task force probing the case arrested him in three cases relating to the vyapam scam He had been released on bail in February 2015 and summoned by the special task force on 17th April 2015. He was found dead under mysterious circumstances at a lodge in Chhattisgarh's Kankar district. The police did not find any poison near his body and his his death too had been labeled mysterious. Ooh, so much mystery. Yeah. Then In May 2015 a man named Ramendra Badoria committed suicide by hanging from the ceiling fan. Well, as you know by now, like in most cases associated with this scam, the police's default position was to downplay the whole thing. They said that Badoria had killed himself over a failed love affair. But Vyapam whistleblowers and his family claimed that he was being pressurized by scamsters associated with vyapam he had been a 2007 batch medical student who had been accused of fraud just like namrata and the others his employment was being terminated the biggest problem with badoria's suicide was that now it was difficult to establish who the middlemen were or even who the top bosses were the police kept this case on the back burner as well tragedy struck this family a second time within a couple of days because badoria's mother also committed suicide by drinking acid vijay bahadur a retired madhya pradesh bureaucrat who had served as an observer for at least two vyapam exams was found dead on railway tracks in bhopal in 2015 Apparently he had been on a train with his wife. His wife th- said that he had stepped out of the compartment and onto the corridor to shut the door of their carriage and never returned. His case is being investigated by the CBI in connection with the Vyapam scam as well. There are also an alarming number of people with links to the scam who have died in various road accidents. There is no definitive figure because at this point it is difficult to pinpoint exactly which murder is directly linked to the scam but we can attribute at least 11 deaths to road accidents most of these were middlemen Shamveer Yadav Anshul Sachan Deepak Verma Arjun Uike all died in road mishaps in 2010 alone they all had ties to Vyapam they were either students or middlemen associated with the scandal perhaps the most high profile death after namrata and akshay singh would be that of shailesh yadav 
And his death should give you some idea of the extent of the scam again. Shailesh wasn't just another middleman or a student associated with Vyapam. In 2015, Shailesh's father was the governor of Madhya Pradesh, Ram Naresh Yadav. Not just that, Ram Naresh Yadav had been a former chief minister of the state of Uttar Pradesh as well. So Shailesh was mad connected in politics and he had used his connections during the Vyapam scam as well. Shailesh had been accused of taking bribes from 10 applicants appearing for the contractual teachers examination in Madhya Pradesh. He was under investigation for his role at the time of his death. So Shailesh had been found dead at his mansion in my hometown of Lucknow. His domestic help had discovered his lifeless remains. Blood was oozing from his ears and the help immediately informed Shailesh's wife who called the doctor. Initially it seemed that he had suffered from a brain hemorrhage but the autopsy failed to give a certain cause of death the doctors who conducted the postmortem decided to preserve the viscera and the heart suspecting the presence of a poison like material inside yadav's body they suspected poison because his body had turned blue in color the postmortem report also mentioned an injury above the right eyebrow and nose and bruises on the right palm and feet but couldn't definitively say whether these were the causes of death though the report did not say that the injury could have caused death it however could not ascertain the cause of this injury either his family maintains that the death was natural after all yadav was almost 50 he was a diabetic and he was under a lot of stress his property was going to be attached in connection with his involvement in the scam he had been summoned for questioning in front of the magistrate so is the family deliberately trying to downplay the death i mean by this point it's becoming quite clear to everybody involved that the people linked to this case were dropping like flies look i just don't understand why they're not hounding the cbi for a thorough investigation into the matter i mean he clearly could have been poisoned right the autopsy could not confirm natural causes Yeah it baffles me too. Actually the position of the families is a difficult one. On one hand they don't want to admit that the family member who just died was linked with a corruption scandal. This is especially true of families who were victims where the victims were students who had been accused of cheating their way into medical colleges and government posts. I mean who would want to admit that? Even Namrata's father maintains that his daughter had not cheated even though her name was on the list. See I think there's also that element of fear okay if you see that people with the slightest link to the scam are ending up dead you wouldn't want to be next so and it's all, another reason is probably they were being threatened i don't know yeah yeah very possible i mentioned the governor of madhya pradesh right so you want to know another big name linked to the scam please tell yes yes <laughs> the current chief minister of madhya pradesh himself Mr Shivraj Singh Chauhan of the Bharatiya Janata Party or BJP. <gasps> Shocker dude oh my god that was totally <laughs> like sarcastic shock by the way like just yeah yeah we get it. So the story of how Chauhan's involvement was detected is actually fascinating. It begins with an ordinary systems analyst employed at Vyapam a man named Nitin Mohindra. So earlier on in the episode we talked a bit about how the scam was actually carried out. We talked about how uh, seating arrangements were altered to make sure that real candidates were sitting next to imposters so they could cheat. Also how OMR sheets were left blank by students and were later filled in by insiders at Vyapam. So both these are automated procedures meant to ensure transparency and restrict human interface. Unless of course You are the guy responsible for these systems. <laughs> Mohindra was the man making the magic happen behind the scenes at Vyapam. He was the Vyapam insider helping Jagdish Sagar, the original kingpin of the scam. So as the systems analyst, he had access to answer sheets, seating arrangements, and he had the means to provide these services to students who were willing to pay. He was getting paid upwards of twenty five thousand rupees per student for exams ranging from medical ent- entrance tests to recruitment exams for various government posts. 
Given the scale of the operation and the lacks of students who sought his help, Mohindra realized that he needed to be meticulous. So he maintained an Excel sheet with the names of the students he had helped, along with the names of the people who had recommended them to him. And the latter included big names like Uma Bharti, who was once a cabinet minister in the central government. This Excel sheet, along with other information about the scam, was all on a hard drive. The task force investigating the scam had recovered the hard drive from Mohindra when they arrested him. Here is a bit of an advice. If you are planning to commit or abet a crime, and if you are someone who is in love with Excel and are one of those people who love to jerk themselves off to Excel sheets, for the love of God, (laughs) do not make an Excel sheet with all your data on it. Data relating to the crime, I mean. If you are going to commit a crime, be smart about it. Do not make obvious mistakes. And no, this is not a tutorial or an advice. Just don't commit any crime, man. Period. Just listen to us. We'll talk enough. (laughs) Get your thrills from here. Enough. These are your cheap thrills. Sasti Khushya. Be happy with these. I think I, I suspect he did this to have some leverage if he got caught. Like this was something he could show all the big wigs that, listen, the police are closing down on me, but I have this document with your name on it next to the student that you sent to me. So now if I go down, you go down. So help me fix this. I think that was the game plan. Dude, if that was your game plan, this was 2015, 2016, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, OneDrive was there. He could have just uploaded them there and kept the password in his stupid head. (laughs) So when the police had the drive, they approached a private tech firm based in Madhya Pradesh owned by a cybersecurity expert called Prashant Pandey. Now, Prashant had worked with government investigations before, both with the police and the revenue department. So they go to Prashant and they ask him for an SATA cable or a serial advanced technology attachment cable which connects hard drives to the motherboard. Please don't ask me why the police didn't have their own. I do not know the answer to that question. Honey, have you seen a thana? Have you been to one? If they have proper (laughs) toilets, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Anyway, the police officer who went to collect the cable asked Prashant to make sure that the cable worked. So Prashant hooked up this drive uh, with the cable to his own computer and the computer automatically started to make a mirror image of the Excel sheet on the drive and that was that. So in the meantime, the Congress party, which was in opposition, released phone records from the Madhya Pradesh chief minister's residence, allegedly made by Sadhna Singh, who was the wife of Shivrat Singh Chauhan. These records showed that about 139 calls were made to Mohindra and other kingpins of the scam. Yeah, there were more than one. And inexplicably, Prashant was the one who was arrested because the police (laughs) said that he had leaked these records for money. Now, Prashant maintains his innocence. And once Prashant got out on bail, he decided to become whistleblower to prove his innocence and to prove that he was being made a scapegoat. So he comes home. He pulls up the mirror image of the Excel sheet that was on his computer. He compares it to the Excel sheet in police custody, you know, the one confiscated from uh, Mohindra. And actually, by this time, the Excel sheet was in CBI custody because the case had finally been handed over to CBI. So, he managed to prove that the CBI had in fact deleted certain entries from the Excel sheet. These entries are all related to the chief minister and his wife. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah. Netflix, just make this show. Just make it. I think next time, say, we can ask Netflix for commission. We're giving them so (laughs) many ideas. Yes. See, look, coming back, Uh, They can analyze the stuff, right, to find out which copy of the Excel sheet is authentic and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, they can. So, And they have. Mohindra's version was certified authentic by a government lab in Gujarat. And Prashant's copy was submitted to a private lab in Bangalore. And both labs have said that their respective copies are authentic. So we need a tiebreaker now, I guess. What the shit? I want to make an Excel sheet with all the chutiapa that happened in this case. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so just FII, 
Shivraj Singh Chauhan has been given a clean sheet by the CBI for his role in the Vyapam scam. Surprise, surprise. But two things should be kept in mind. First of all, CBI is a federal agency which is controlled by the political party in power at the center. This it is not an autonomous body. In 2015, BJP part BJP was the party at the center. So Chauhan, being a BJP man, was definitely being protected. That possibility could not be ruled out. Secondly, even if Chauhan was exonerated personally for his role, he was the chief minister. And between 2008 and 2012, he was handling the medical education portfolio in Madhya Pradesh government. This whole scam went down on his watch. For years, people were dropping like flies all over Madhya Pradesh, and the police were too busy either labeling them all suicide, or natural causes, or alcohol poisoning, or road accidents, and closing those cases. it took a lot of prodding for chauhan to even establish the task force even when the task force was established his government kept denying that almost 46 people died as a result of the scam over and over again no really it got so bad that they printed out a pamphlet titled vyapam propaganda and reality the 23 page booklet which the state government distributed widely in madhya pradesh and delhi praises chauhan's administration for its swift <laughs> and decisive action in appointing a police task force to investigate the case and reviews each fatality alleged to be connected to vyapam in succinct paragraphs nearly all of which end with some variation on the following phrase the family has not expressed any doubt about his death so far <laughs> <laughs> this is not true by the way many families have cried foul over the deaths of their family members many have done that this is just whitewashing yeah dude who will keep quiet this is called gaslighting seems yeah. to be like a bjp modus operandi Anyway so this book also considers the deaths of 31 people apparently 11 dead in road accidents five allegedly committed suicide two drowned in ponds and three lost their lives to quote unquote excessive liquor consumption all of which have come under suspicion precisely because of the apparent reluctance of the state police to investigate any of the deaths allegedly con- connected to this scandal basically the government stance is look people die shit happens or shit happens people die this is not on us let's move on pretty please <laughs> same attitude our government is showing right now with respect to covid <laughs> oh by the way a right to information query has shown that shivraj singh chauhan has repeatedly misled the state assembly about the scam about 2000 arrests were made by the cbi by 2015 of which two thirds were literally just students the rest are mostly middlemen many people who helped uncover the scam have said that the police conveniently missed out the top bosses in these scams today this is a multi crore scam according to the special task force about 23 deaths are linked to the scam but unofficially the number is almost 50 the case is ongoing so this is the story of the vyapam scam and all the murders associated with it so this was a complicated multi-layered frustrating and baffling story to cover and we have tried our best to cover our bases obviously given the magnitude of the casualties we've not been able to give space to all of them but we've tried to cover the main ones there are still many victims whose causes of deaths are not mentioned there are others whose deaths have not even been reported or have been brushed under the carpet by the police we really believe that the real tragedy is that the architects of the scam influential politicians bureaucrats etc have not really been brought to justice and may never be in future either so on this grim note we take your leave Did I sound grim enough, Aditi? Yeah. <laughs> right. Hope you all are keeping your spirits up during these uncertain times. Keep a lookout for our shorty later this week. 
Also, do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or Google or any other platform where rate and review is not an option, please hit the follow or subscribe button. It'll really help us out a lot. And thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye.